0: The views and opinions expressed in Eye on the Triangle do not represent WKNC or the student media. raleigh and welcome to this week's eye on the triangle an nc state student-run and student produced news show on wknc 88.1 fm hd1 raleigh i'm owen trainer on tonight's episode elizabeth esser sits down with jacob downey the director of little raleigh radio and then a little later we'll have some stories from the north carolina news service enjoy this is elizabeth esser for
1: eye on the triangle I sat down with Jacob Downey, WKNC alum and co-founder of Little Raleigh Radio, a nonprofit community radio station in downtown Raleigh. We talk about Jacob's background in radio, his experience in establishing Little Raleigh Radio and what the future looks like for the station. Jacob Downey, thank you so much for joining us on Eye on the Triangle.
0: Very, very excited to be back on Eye on the Triangle.
1: To start us off, would you mind (laughs) telling listeners a little bit about your background in radio?
0: Yeah, so my background in radio is WKNC. Um, well, I mean, obviously, um, my initial background in radio was growing up listening to it. And kind of um, when the Media Consolidation Act hit um, in the the 90s, it was like a sledgehammer to your ears just with how much um, radio became homogenized. Uh, and when I moved to Raleigh, um, you know, I would listen to KNC and Uh, uh, I moved to Raleigh to go to school at NC State and um, we're very fortunate with the musical radio station diversity uh, that we have here in the Triangle. Um, I feel like with some stations like WSHA going away, we are losing some of that but we're pretty privileged um, and we also have a lot of great uh, record stores and so I was and that's where I would go to find out um, you know, K&C and record stores in the area like School Kids and at that time the record exchange was one of the, the main places that I would go to for music discovery, uh, nice price over on Hillsborough Street, uh, kind of fills that void as well now with the record exchange being gone. Uh, and now the poor house, especially with some of their board recordings that they're doing uh fun, fun stuff. But uh, I was talking to one of the uh, clerks at the record exchange, and he was a uh, music director at WKNC. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've always wanted to do radio for a little bit. And so he's like, well, you need to come by and sign up. And he helped me with that whole process. And, um, so I started doing um, radio at KNC from 2002 to 2011, uh, mostly uh, daytime rotation um, from 6 to 8 a.m. Monday through Thursday. Gonzo would do uh, the vinyl revolution on Friday mornings. And then after I graduated, I stuck around WKNC for a little while. Um doing um, weekend specialty programming and mentoring some students um, and just made a lot of great friends. Uh, and some of those friends kind of parlayed into like, well, you know, how can we create the WK experience for other people that live in Raleigh or work in Raleigh or somehow have a vital connection to the city where basically people can come in and learn how to curate audio that they care about to share with others.
1: When you were um, at WKMC, what was your what was your DJ name?
0: I was very boring. It was just Jacob.
1: Nice. <laughs>
0: not, not, even, not even just Jacob, just Jacob.
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like it. Super simple. Was there a point um, during your time at WKNC when you knew you wanted to continue working in radio in some capacity?
0: No, but there's definitely a point where uh, um, I would, like whenever I would consider jobs in different places, one of the things that I would look at would be the, um, the media landscape of those places um, and definitely wanted to find a way to keep radio part of my life.
1: Establishing a nonprofit community radio station that's no small feat, what drove you to founding Little Raleigh Radio and what was that process like?
0: Um, the the biggest part of the process was, um, you know, well, how do we get to keep making radio and how do we, create an outlet for other people to have that ongoing platform to begin learning to create um, uh, radio content. A big part of that was influenced by uh, Stephen Waldman, who wrote a thick tome the FCC called The Information Needs of Communities. Uh, And he really laid out the case for how much of a desert there is for folks getting involved in media. Um, And so that's why we decided that that was the type of organization that we wanted to be, um, kind of that, that step one for folks that wanted to pursue a broadcasting career or hobby. Um, and we chose to be a nonprofit because at the time, the uh, Local Community Radio Act was getting momentum uh, in Congress, and that was only open to community organizations, uh, uh, mostly uh, 501c3 nonprofits and church groups. Uh, so that influenced a lot of our structure for how we created the organization.
1: And so I understand that at one point you had the goal of obtaining a low power FM license, um, but were unable to do so during the last filing window. Do you have plans to continue pursuing an LPFM license during the next filing window?
0: We will definitely look into it. It'll be a question of fundraising and if there is property available that will um, allow us to put a tower up where a frequency is available um, until they make those filing window rules. Um, the, we really can't look at spaces to know, like we know what frequencies are available, but not every possible antenna site in Raleigh, um, would have access to those frequency spaces. So we would do an engineering study when the rules for the new filing window get made to see if there's something that, ha, um, exists for the two communities that, uh, we've identified that we want to serve. We're pretty committed to being the, uh, immediate gateway for folks in downtown Raleigh and Southeast Raleigh. So we probably would not be looking at them if there were only uh, frequency sites available in like uh, North Raleigh or Cary. Um, there's other folks in those communities that have great ideas. but we want uh, we're very we want to be very focused on the people that are coming to our studio that folks can hear them through those terrestrial waves. So we're anxiously looking forward to the new rules making process now that the FCC has finished their 5G. Rules making. That's what's been really slowing the next filing window down.
1: So, when you were creating Little Raleigh Radio, was there um, a particular reason why you wanted to um, have it located in the downtown area, in the Southeast Raleigh area?
0: Those two communities seem very physically connected because there's not the Beltline divide, that was a big part of it. Um, And we really felt like especially Southeast Raleigh, is very underserved for uh, media creating opportunities. Um, And then downtown Raleigh is where you, um, you know, especially at the time, was the closest that you had to a strong arts district for Raleigh. So that's where a lot of your creative capital was already invested. And we wanted to make sure that we were a pipeline for those people.
1: What does the future look like for Little Raleigh Radio?
0: Uh, Like a lot of nonprofits, we're rebuilding post-pandemic, as folks at WKNC probably attest as well. It's a very droplet, heavy activity, so most of our producers, especially folks that were retired members of our communities, have kind of taken a break, so we're looking forward to getting them back into the studio and uh, as soon as it's safe to do so, bringing new producers into our studio, because the big question that we wanted to solve was, you know, what does Raleigh sound like? And um, for us, it sounds like people that are passionate about something, whether it's music, beer making, painting, theater, um, passionate about it to the point there, they want to find the best way to curate that and share with other people. So the, the immediate future for us will be doing a very heavy producer onboarding and recruitment and training.
1: And finally, how can people tune in to Little Raleigh Radio?
0: It's really easy, which confuses a lot of folks. If you just go to our website and click on the MP3 link, it should automatically start playing in your browser or your smartphone. But if you like apps, we're on most mobile listening apps, uh, including TuneIn.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Jacob.
0: Yeah, thanks for making radio.
1: More information on Little Rally Radio can be found at www.littlerallyradio.org. Reporting for Eye on the Triangle, this is Elizabeth Esser.
2: The Biden administration has its sights set on creating more jobs, with an ambitious plan centered on clean energy and climate policy. In North Carolina, environmental groups are urging leaders in Congress to pass an economic recovery plan that would bring those benefits to the state. Dan Crawford with the North Carolina League of Conservation Voters says the administration's moves to rejoin the Paris Agreement and recent global summit on climate set the right tone.
0: That's really refreshing to have that type of leadership in office, and it's good to have that type of leadership in North Carolina, as well with Governor Cooper, who's partnering with the Biden administration to push these crucial efforts forward.
2: Biden has outlined a goal of reducing carbon emissions by 50 percent by 2030. Dozens of North Carolina elected officials are among more than 1,200 across the country to sign a letter asking Congress to seize a -a once-in-a-generation opportunity. North Carolina's coast is particularly vulnerable to the effects of climate change, and Crawford points out that weather forecasters are already predicting a turbulent 2021 hurricane season.
0: We've had two
1: 500-year storms in three years. It's time to start pairing for what's happening with our
0: climate. And this, this is a really big step that the Biden administration is pushing forward.
2: Crawford notes the state also faces serious infrastructure challenges in the coming decades. The American Society of Civil Engineers says around 9% of bridges in North Carolina are structurally deficient. And Crawford adds the state's drinking water needs are even greater.
1: North Carolina's drinking water infrastructure will require almost a $17 billion investment over the next 20 years. We need to start putting a down payment on that now.
2: Almost 6 in 10 voters say they support multi-trillion dollar economic stimulus legislation that prioritizes investments in clean energy infrastructure, according to polling from Climate Nexus, the Yale Program on Climate Change Communication, and the George Mason University Center for Climate Change Communication. For North Carolina News Service, I'm Nadia Rumlagan. Restoring oysters can boost water quality and offer shoreline protection from storms. And this week, the North Carolina Coastal Federation released its five-year action plan, outlining steps to keep this valuable shellfish thriving. Leda Cunningham with the Pew Charitable Trusts says North Carolina's oysters are in good shape, but face threats from storms, poor water quality, and the impacts of climate change. She believes the new oyster blueprint offers an example for other coastal states of how to restore and protect Protect oyster populations.
0: In those 15 or so years, it's led to measurable
1: progress in the state. And that is really a result of the inclusive, systematic approach that Coastal Fed has taken with its partners to identifying challenges and opportunities with the special resource.
2: Guided by the blueprint, over the years, North Carolina has restored nearly 450 acres of oyster habitat, grown shellfish aquaculture from a $250,000 to $5 million industry, increased the number of shellfish farms in the state tenfold and developed a nationally recognized shell recycling program. Erin Fleckenstein with the North Carolina Coastal Federation says the plan includes new management strategies to help safeguard North Carolina's waters, particularly in the Newport River and Stump Sound.
1: Make sure that they are pristine and healthy to grow oysters, making it safe enough to harvest oysters from those beds, allowing for continued recreational opportunities.
2: Cunningham adds oysters add numerous benefits for coastal communities. Restoring oysters
0: would add so much value to the coast. More oysters mean cleaner water, better recreational fishing, more wildlife, more resilient shorelines, more
1: fishing jobs, and of course more healthy local food.
2: Goals outlined in the blueprint include building an additional 100 acres of oyster sanctuary in Pamlico Sound, creating a cohesive oyster shell recycling program along the coast and in specific inland areas to help support habitat restoration projects, and building 200 acres of reef to support wild harvest. Support for this reporting was provided by the Pew Charitable Trusts. For North Carolina News Service, I'm Nadia Ramlagan. More North Carolina employers have changed their time off policies to include sick leave related to COVID 19, but low income workers and those in industries considered essential are still less likely to have paid leave. According to the North Carolina Justice Center, as many as 3 million workers have navigated the pandemic without any paid sick days. Kathy Colville with the North Carolina Institute of Medicine says paid leave policies can have a measurable effect on the health of individuals and
1: families. We've had these big demographic shifts in the last decade so that most children in North Carolina are cared for by parents who are working outside the home. And we've also had this much more aging demographic.
2: State lawmakers are considering two bills, the NC Paid Family Leave Act and the Healthy Families, Healthy Workplaces Act, which would require employers to offer paid family and medical leave insurance and allow workers to earn a minimum number of paid sick days. Colville notes paid leave has particular benefits for new mothers and babies. Studies show women who receive at least 12 weeks of paid parental leave are more likely to initiate and continue breastfeeding, which is considered healthier for babies. She says a 2019 Duke University study also found paid leave during a pregnancy can reduce the chance of a low birth weight baby.
1: And even found that there was potentially a relationship between people having access to paid family leave and infants that would survive that might otherwise die.
2: Colville adds research shows paid leave could also reduce the number of older North Carolina residents needing nursing home care by about 2%. Across the state, employers are starting to reach think paid leave. Joe Mecca of Coastal Credit Union in Raleigh says his company modified its paid time off policies in the pandemic when people had fewer opportunities to take vacations. He says they offered to pay their employees instead.
1: We did have some employees whose families, you know, they lost part of their income or had extra needs that they were trying to take care of during that time. The extra flexibility was helpful to them.
2: He adds employees now receive an extra paid leave day to get coronavirus vaccinations or recover from side effects. Earlier this year, the CDC issued new workplace guidelines recommending paid leave for vaccination recovery. For North Carolina News Service, I'm Nadia Ramlagan.
0: That's it for this episode of Eye on the Triangle. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any questions, comments, ideas, or would like to get involved with the Eye on the Triangle team, shoot us an email at publicaffairs at wknc.org. We'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned for our usual programming. We'll see you next time.